Welcome to the Karis Christian Center podcast. Okay, well, it's great to see you guys. Um, tonight, I'm going to preach um, from my favorite chapter in the Bible. And um, I'm really excited about it because I think there's a lot of believers, I would dare to say the majority of believers that don't really understand this chapter, that don't really understand what it means to be in Christ and what, what, what the word even living in the flesh means. I think a lot of Christians don't really know what that means um, according to Paul in, in all of his writings. So I want to preach on this. I, I've even heard very famous ministers who don't quite get it. But uh, we're really going to see what it means to live in the Spirit. And that is a, a better way to live in the Spirit. Life in the Spirit is the best kind of life. So turn to Romans 8. We're going to dive into Romans 8. And um, man, I, I, um, this is something I hope everyone here really gets. And I'm going to just kind of um, go after some sacred cows right here in the very first verse. And I'm going to make some important definitions. So Romans 8, we're going to stay in Romans 8 pretty much the entire time. Um, but my first point is this life in the spirit always leads to freedom. It always leads to freedom. And life in the Spirit, it comes from being born again. It comes from being in Christ Jesus. And um, I'm going to just lay it out here in the very first verse. It says, there is therefore now no condemnation. Condemnation is, is not freedom. How many of you have ever felt condemnation? How many of you have, like other people have put condemnation on you? That is not freedom. Condemnation is not freedom. Guilt is not freedom. Shame is not freedom. God does not want you to, to, to be chained to condemnation. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are, this is, these are three important words, in Christ Jesus. Say, in Christ Jesus. So to be in the Spirit, you have to be in Christ Jesus, right? It says, who do not walk according to the flesh but according to the Spirit. So how, how do you walk according to the Spirit? How do you have life in the Spirit? How can any person on the face of the earth have a life in the Spirit? There's only one way. To be born again through Jesus. You have to be in Christ Jesus. So here, the, the flesh is the opposite of being in the Spirit, right? A lot of people, and the majority of Christians, the majority of even very famous, well-known ministers of the gospel, um, think that the flesh, and if I were just to ask, probably the more, majority of you might just say this, to, to be in the flesh. Some of you would say that that means to just be really worldly. Just to let, just to do what you want, feel what you want, just go, right? Most people would say that the flesh is, is, is like living like the world, right? But here in Romans 1, the, the flesh is contrasted with being in the spirit, so anything that is outside of the Spirit, anything that is outside of Jesus is flesh. This is how Paul defines the flesh. It's not just being like the world. It's anything that is outside of Christ Jesus. If you're not in Christ Jesus, it is of the flesh. So before, this is really good. Super, super good because I, I've heard a lot of famous, famous people who who, who talk about the flesh, and the flesh is just separating yourself from the world. That is not the definition of flesh. Before Paul met Jesus, before you know, Saul of Tarsus met Jesus on the road to Damascus, he was not a worldly person. 
correct? Saul of Tarsus, he said, this is his testimony, if you would call it that. Before he came to Christ, he said, concerning the law, I kept it perfect. I was a Pharisee of Pharisees. I'm of the tribe of Benjamin. I am the stock of Israel. I am the stock of keeping the law. But he said, I was in the flesh because I wasn't in Christ Jesus. So the definition of flesh throughout all the book of Romans, really, really, Paul's definition of the flesh is being outside of Christ Jesus. In Christ Jesus, those are three important, in, if you are in Christ Jesus, you are in the Spirit. That is the only way to be in the Spirit, to be in Christ Jesus and have to have his, and to have his Spirit on the inside of you. The flesh is anything outside of Jesus. So it's not just being separate from the world, right? I've heard preachers say, you know, if, you want to, if you're in the flesh, it's because you're watching too much TV. It's because you're on your phone too much. It's because you're, you're hanging around people of the world. That's, that's in the flesh. Really, in the flesh means to be outside of Christ Jesus. It doesn't mean just to be separate from the world. The Taliban is separate from the world. They don't have Netflix. They don't have Facebook. They don't have alcohol. They don't have... They're very separate from the world, probably more than most of us here right now. So separate that, you know, they, they, it's just crazy. So, so the flesh, the, 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 the biblical definition, the gospel definition, Paul's definition of the, of the flesh is anything that is outside of Jesus. There, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Who do not walk according to the flesh. So the flesh just means to, to walk like you don't know Jesus, to be outside of Jesus. So before, before Paul met Jesus, he was in the flesh. And the way he talks about the flesh is trying, trying to do anything apart from Jesus. And we'll see that all throughout this chapter, Romans chapter 8. So what, is, what does it mean? How do you walk in the Spirit? There's only one way to be in the Spirit. It's to be in Jesus, because it's His Spirit. And what is, the, what is the definition of the flesh? It's not to be worldly. It's to be outside of Christ Jesus. So you could actually be very separate from the world, but also be very much in the flesh. I just killed many sacred cows out there. But I think it's really important to reestablish this, what, what, what it means to be in the Spirit and what the flesh really, the flesh is to be outside of Christ Jesus. To be carnally minded is to not have the mind of Christ. We'll talk about that here in a bit. So life in the Spirit always leads to true freedom. If you are in Christ Jesus, Jesus actually came to, to free people. Jesus said this in John 8, 36, Therefore, if the Son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. He freed people from sin. He freed people from sickness. He freed people from religion. He freed people from condemnation. He freed people from the penalty of the law. He freed people from death. He wants to make us free indeed. Verse 2, for the law of the spirit of law. I love that. He's making this a law now. This is a spiritual law. And he, he's contrasting this from another type of law. 
He's contrasting it from another type of law, the, the law of Moses, which is actually a law of the flesh. Because the, 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 the law of Moses was you have, to do, you have to keep all these rules, you have to follow all these rules, but you have to do it on your own, in your own strength, apart from Jesus. And, and Paul said, before I met Jesus, I actually kept that thing perfectly, but I was completely in the flesh. Maybe you, you've, for some reason, kept most of the law. You, you um, don't walk further than 100 yards on the Sabbath. You don't make a fire on the Sabbath. You don't eat, sea, you know, you don't eat scallops and shrimp, and you, you know, only wear a garment made from one type of material. You know, the, 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 the law, it, it, it is, it's, um, it's not freedom. The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. Again, those three important words. The law of the spirit of life. If you want to be in the spirit of life and abide by those laws of the spirit, this new spirit that we have in Christ Jesus, you have to be in Christ Jesus. And it makes you free from the law of sin and death. You can't, you can't, you can't live according to the law of the spirit of life, this law of freedom being in Christ Jesus and trying to keep trying to be, you can't be trying to approach God on your own strength. That, that leads to sin and death and condemnation. Does that make sense? So this law of the spirit of life. And, and when you come into Jesus, you actually get to operate by new types of laws. There's laws of the spirit of life. There's laws of faith. There's laws of kindness. There's laws of love. There, there, there are so many laws that we get to, to laws of grace that we get to partake in. And um, I was just thinking about this. When we come into Christ Jesus, there's such a radical shift. You know, there's kind of um, hundreds of years ago, and it still exists today, there was like a split kind of in the Protestant church where people, people think that um, you're either predestined to, to um, salvation or you're predestined to um, damnation. Uh, so it's, there's kind of a split, and many people still kind of think along that track. It's, it's called a, a, a Calvinist versus Armenian. And we're very much more Armenian where we believe that it's, it's your will to choose Jesus or not. Calvinists think, you know, you're, you're either born to live or born to die. Before you met Jesus, you're, you're born to die. But when you meet Jesus, your destiny actually shifts. Your spirit, you are now in Christ. You have, you have the spirit of Christ in you. Your destiny shifts. When you were born, you were, you were born um, according to Adam's sin. You were born into defeat. You were born into darkness. You were born. But when you're born again, you're given a new destiny. And you're actually predestined to eternity, predestined to salvation, predestined to victory. Pre you're, you're given Jesus' destiny. Does that make sense? Before Jesus, you're actually, you're actually you're, you're born into failure. But Jesus came so he could shift our destiny. And the way that destiny is shifted is by saying yes to Jesus, asking him to come into your heart, wanting to live for him, be, be one with him, uh, uh, you know, walk according to the laws of the spirit of life. 
and not any other type of loss. Any type of, you know, the, the law of I'm going to do what I want to do, the law of, you know, I'm going to do what Mohammed says I, I should do, I'm going to do what Buddha says I should do, I, I, I should do what the CD says I should do. There's all these types of laws where people think that makes you righteous. There's only one way to be righteous. There's only one way to be right before God, and that's to, to say yes to Jesus, to be in Christ Jesus. Any other type of righteousness is complete garbage. And that's often the, the, the number one thing that hinders people from saying yes to Jesus is they, they think they're good enough apart from him. If you think you're good enough apart from Jesus because, you know, you just think you're good enough on your own, you're smart enough on your own, you have a good enough lifestyle on your own, man, you, you, you have a destiny for failure. But the moment you believe on Jesus, your, your destiny shifts. Does that make sense? I'm, I'm going to think about that some more, but I think it's actually really profound and really true. You actually have a shift in destiny. Verse 3, for the law talking about the law of Moses, could not do in that it was weak through the flesh. So, so the law wasn't perfect. It says it's weak through the flesh because the, the law, to keep the law, it's all about you. It's not about Jesus. It's, it's, it's all about you and your own strength and your own goodness and your own virtue and your own, even if you kept it perfectly, which Paul did, he said it's still weak. And, and the reason why it's weak is because the law cannot change you. The law cannot change your destiny. The law cannot change who you are. The law cannot change your heart. You know, I, I, um, I, I could take someone here who, who just loves to speed. You love fast cars. You love just, just your middle name is Fast and Furious. And we, we could just stick, you know, a speed limit sign every 10 feet right in front of you. And, and you might, we could stick a cop at every, every corner. And you would, you would abide by the law because you, you wouldn't want to get a ticket every 10 feet. But that wouldn't change you. You, you bought that Ferrari for a reason. You didn't buy it just to, you know, drive the speed limit and to accelerate as slowly as possible and to, does that make sense? The law cannot change someone's nature. The law of Moses cannot change anyone's nature. It was weak according to the flesh. But God did something really cool. It says God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh. So it wasn't saying that Jesus was sinful flesh. It said he was like our sinful flesh. He was like us. He had flesh. He had blood. He had bones. He had emotions. He had desires. If he got in a Ferrari, he'd probably be tempted to see how fast it could go. He was tempted in all points like us, but yet without sin. Right? It says he actually condemned sin in the flesh. He condemned it in the flesh that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk. So, so the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us. When we believe on Jesus Christ, the, 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 the law is like, if you do this, you get this. If you do this badly, you're going to get cursed. If you do this right, you're going to get blessed. You're going to get these promises if you do it right. So what this is saying is that Jesus fulfilled the law for us. So now all the promises in the Old Testament in the law, they're now available to us who are in Christ Jesus. 
If you are in Christ Jesus, all the promises. So don't throw away your Old Testament because there's a lot of good stuff there. I love the Old Testament because I see Jesus all throughout it, but it also points to, to what we get in Christ Jesus. So all the promises from Genesis to Malachi to Matthew to Revelation, they're all available to us through Christ Jesus for those who are in Christ Jesus. Three important words, in Christ Jesus. Amen? He fulfilled it. For those who do not walk according to the flesh. So what's he saying? A walk according to the flesh. Verse 4, again, we're not going to change our definition of flesh. Verse 4, the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled, wait, by, by trying to keep it? Not walking according to the flesh. So that's saying not, not walking apart from Jesus. The flesh means to be out of Christ Jesus. The spirit means to be in Christ Jesus. Man, this is awesome. This makes verse 4 just make a lot of sense to me. That the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk. It's not just trying to be separate from the world. Again, if you're just separate from the world, that doesn't mean that, that you're righteous, right? There are people that are separate from the world who are horrible, ungodly, filthy people. Take the Taliban as an example. I'm using extreme examples for you. who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. So they're walking by faith in Christ Jesus. That's how that righteous requirement of the law is fulfilled, and that you, you get to pass the test is by being in Christ Jesus. Being in the flesh, walking according to the flesh, is, is walking apart from Christ Jesus. And, and I, I, have, I have news for some people here today. The, the, the world back then looks a lot like the world does today. Some of us think the world is so much worse today and, and, and being worldly, it's so much worse. The, the world and the, the lifestyle of the world, the lifestyle of, of the Roman Empire during when Paul wrote this was very ungodly. Very similar to today. You can say, how could you say that, Pastor Aaron? You know, we have drag queens trying to read you know, to, to children in libraries. We have people trying to change genders. The, the world has never been this messed up. You know, Paul, Paul I imagine before, before he met Christ Jesus, he probably hated everything in the Roman. He probably hated Gentiles so much. Heather and I went, went, to, went to Rome for our, our honeymoon. We went to uh, the Amalfi Coast, and we went to Naples last day. And, and on the way from Amalfi to, to Naples, we stopped off at uh, Pompeii, a city that was destroyed in 79 AD. So, and it was covered in ash. Mount Vesuvius erupted, covered this entire city in ash, preserved it for, for thousands of years. They, they just kind of started digging it up more, more so in the late 1800s. They're even digging up more more and more, finding out more and more about the Gentiles of Paul's day. And, and, and we walked around Pompeii, and it's very similar to what we see today. The world was very ugly back then. The Gentile world was extremely, extremely sick and twisted, and there's nothing new under the sun. You know, in, in, in Pompeii, there's male, male genitalia carved out in the sidewalk pointing the way to brothels. 
to whorehouses. You, you, go into the, you can go into the whorehouses and they have pictures of what you can order. It's like, like going to McDonald's. You want number one, number three, number five. It, it was very sick. It, it was, it, and if you look at, man, what, what, what really, this, this is important to kind of understand because you think, you think, you know, Saul of Tarsus, before he met Jesus, probably hated Gentiles. Just had a seed, like he hated Christians, but he probably especially hated Gentiles. People in Ephesus, people in Philippi, people in all these people outside of Judea. All, all the, these, these Romans, just complete barbarians. Yet something happened when he met Christ Jesus. And he realized that, that it's not about if you're, if you're a man or a woman, if you're Jew or a Gentile, if you're something radical happened in him. Yay! And when he's talking about the flesh, he's not talking about just living like the world. He's talking about being outside of Christ Jesus. We've been to Pom Pompeii. You know, they, they've... they've Found the, you know, this temple to, to Zeus there. Diana. Is it to Diana? Both. Diana and to, to Zeus. Yeah, and, and Paul was willing to go to Ephesus, where, where this great temple to Diana was, and risk his life to, 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 to minister Jesus to these people who would shout and scream, great is Diana of the Ephesians. He was willing to, to, to risk his own life to tell people about Jesus. So when he's talking about the flesh, he's not talking about being worldly. He's talking about being outside of Christ Jesus. So just trying to, to separate yourself from the world does not make you closer to Jesus. Faith makes you closer to Jesus. His grace makes you closer to him. It's not about what you do that makes you closer to God. And when you walk according to the Spirit, when you realize who's in you and that you're in Him, you're going you're gonna to by accident live better than you ever thought possible. This is really good. Verse 5, for those who live according to the flesh thank their mind, set their minds on things of the flesh. So this isn't just talking about, you know, people of the flesh just, you know, watch dirty films all the time. No, he's talking about people who are outside of Christ Jesus, even people who are trying to get to God apart from Jesus. They're going to be setting their minds on things of the flesh, which includes their own performance. Does that make sense? Every time you see flesh, don't think just being worldly. Think being apart from Christ Jesus, trying to approach God apart from Christ Jesus. Making it about you and not about him. Going up for prayer, asking for healing based upon, well, I've done my confessions. I've given, I've helped old ladies across the street. I've, this is why God should take care of me. Your, 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 your focus is on the flesh. This is awesome. Romans 8. 
And after you, after you have this understanding of the flesh, you can go back and look at Romans 7 and see what he's really talking about. Who shall deliver me from the flesh? Jesus Christ. Not your own performance, not living according. Jesus Christ. The spirit of life. That delivers us from that chains of everything apart from Jesus. You guys, are get, you guys are getting some major revelation tonight. Paul got it. And, and, and people, just it's so easy for them to slip away from it. Paul would talk about, I don't know how you keep sleep, slipping back to it. And people keep going back to it. And I, I even, it, it happens all the time. So I think it's good to, to come back here. Verse 5, for those who live according to the flesh, set their minds on the things of the flesh. That means thinking about yourself and your own goodness and, and you trying to approach God apart from Jesus. Or looking at other people just according to the flesh and not who they are as a new creation in Christ Jesus. But those who, who live according to the Spirit, you make your life based upon what Jesus did for you, what he is doing for you, and what he will do for you. You're going you're gonna to be thinking about the things of the Spirit. Verse 6, for to be carnally minded is death. He's saying that the law of Moses, if you're focused on that, trying to live according to that, that's going to lead to death. That's what he realized when he met Christ Jesus and, and, and the Holy Spirit started giving him revelation about, about the, the new covenant that he had through Christ Jesus. He realized that, the, that trying to keep that law perfectly, that only led to death. He realized that if he hadn't met Jesus, he would have died and, and been without hope. But his destiny shifted when he met Jesus, said, who are you and what do you want me to do? And he went and did what Jesus called him to do. His destiny shifted. To be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Life and peace. You know, how, how you're thinking, is it, is, it, is it causing frustration? Is it causing condemnation? Is it causing stress is it if that's how you're thinking and, and living and coming to God then, then you're, you're being carnally minded if you're able to come to God boldly and realize that it's not about you it's about what Jesus has done for you that's going to lead to life and peace verse 7 because the carnal mind is enmity against God he realized that, that before I met Jesus even though I lived according to the law perfectly I was an enemy with God. Jesus even said, you are kicking against the pricks. You are persecuting me. And, and you know, he, he was persecuting Christians, but he was persecuting Jesus. Anything apart from Jesus is enmity against God because it's not subject to the law of God. And the, the law of God is the law of, it's this law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. Nor indeed it can be. Verse eight, so then those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Verse nine, but you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. How are you in the spirit? If indeed the spirit of God dwells in you. If you, if you have said yes to Jesus, if you are born again, his spirit is in you. That's why you are born again. I remember someone in college asked me, are you one of those born-again Christians? That's the only type of Christian is a born-again Christian. Someone who's been born into that spirit of life. 
into that resurrection life with his spirit in you. If you haven't been born again in the spirit, then you are not a Christian. You are still of another father who is not father God, but it's actually father devil. You are not in the flesh, verse 9, but in the spirit. If, if indeed the spirit of God dwells in you now, if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he is not his. And if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. He's saying inside your spirit, you have the spirit of Jesus and it is completely righteous. You have the righteousness of God on the inside of you and it's only through Jesus. You either have it or you don't. You can't be 99% righteous. You can't have, a, you know, you can't be a mostly good person with just a couple little, the yin and yang philosophy. You know, you're all white, but a little speck of black in you. In, in, in Christianity, you are either going to heaven or you're going to hell. You're either saved or you're, you're not. You either have a destiny to heaven or you have a destiny to hell. This is very pointed. But there's some people who are like, well, maybe I'm saved, maybe I'm not. I, you know, I'm mostly good, but I got a little... No, it's like, it's like water. You want to drink 100% pure water. What if I said, some people think, well, I'm, I don't really need Jesus. I'm a pretty good person overall. I'm like 90, 98% good. Who would want to drink this water if I said, you know, it's 98% pure water, but 2% sewage water? You're, you're, you're either pure inside of you or you're not. You either have Jesus inside of you or you do not. You either have light or you have darkness. Verse 11, but if, if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who has raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. This is what Paul really wanted people to get. He would pray this for, for, for new covenant believers. People had the spirit of Christ in them, that they would get a revelation of what is on the inside of them. And when you get a revelation of what is on the inside of you, there, there's no way that it can't just explode out of you. All right, verse 12, we're going to go on. So the Spirit-filled life, it always brings freedom. Point number two, the life in the Spirit will always lead you home to the Father. It, was, it will always draw you closer to the Father. Anything that draws you away from the Father, it's, it's not life in the Spirit. Verse 12, therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. And he's not just talking about just living the way you want. He's talking about living apart from Jesus. Verse 13, for if you live according to the flesh, you will die. That, that's living apart from Jesus. You have a destiny to death. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. He's saying, actually, the way you put to death the deeds of the body, the, the just doing whatever you want to do, doing, if you think it's right, just go for it. The way you put that to death is by being in the Spirit, by, by, by being 
by, by realizing what Jesus has done for you, what's on the inside of you, and that, that you have an eternal life with him, that you're home with him. Verse 14, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. And the Spirit-filled the spirit life, you're always going to be led, led by God. You're going to be led to, to, his, to his home. Verse 15, for you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear. He's talking, and, and he's saying, this is the spirit I had before I met Jesus. I had a spirit of bondage again to fear. But you receive the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. He's saying that there is something now, because you're born again as a believer and the spirit of Christ is in you, there's something on the inside of you that's different. There's something on the inside of you that's actually always going to draw you to the Father. There, there, is a, there is a navigational system downloaded into your spirit that is always going to point to the Father. And even if you mess up, if you have the Spirit of Christ in you, it's going gonna, it's gonna to point you back to the Father. Amen. It's going to say, hey, come back home. I have something better for you. I'm going to clean you up. I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to get you on track. You have a good home. You have a good destiny. I'm, and something on the inside of you is going to always say, Father, you're, you, you are my God. You, you are my Father. I want to come home with you. Amen? Amen. I'm probably just going to preach half this chapter tonight. This is, this is good stuff, and it keeps getting better and better. We cry out, Abba, Father. I love that it says the spirit of adoption. The spirit of adoption. You know, there are no accidental adoptions. When I met Heather, she had a four year, her, her previous husband of seven years had passed away. She moved here, went to Bible school, started a new chapter in life. I met her. She had a four-year-old son named Fisher when I when I. When I, when I pursued her, I, I knew Fisher was there. I wasn't just choosing Heather, I was choosing Fisher. When we were dating, Fisher was always there. Even today when we go on dates alone, it feels strange because we've always had... I joke and say, you know, we actually had a kid before we got married. We try to ruffle some people's... rattle their, their brain a little. I'm a preacher and I, I had a kid before I got married. He was five years old when we got married, and they're like, wait, what? <laughs> Some of you know our background, so that doesn't make you start seething with righteous anger. <laughs> Verse 16, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. There's, the, the Spirit of God is always going to remind you that you're a child of God. I have a place for you. I'm not going to leave you. I'm not going to forsake you. I, I, I've gone to prepare a place for you. There are many mansions. It's a good place. And, and, and you have something in, in this, on the inside of you that realize you have a father. Man, there, there is an orphan spirit in the world today. Like an orphan spirit, like no one cares about me. No one, no one loves me. No one wants to take care of me. No one, I'm not accountable to anyone. I can just do whatever I want to do. I can just... That, that's not from God. That orphan spirit, it's not from God. It's actually from the devil. And one thing the devil tries to do is, is say, God doesn't really love you. You don't really... But, but that spirit on the inside of you is going to say, no, devil, you are wrong. Go to hell, Satan. 
I, I rebuke you. I'm going to rejoice. I'm going to shout. I'm going to praise God that I'm on the way to heaven. I have a destiny. I have victory. I am a son of God. I'm a daughter of the king. We have a little quote over um, Ada's crib. It says, Ada Quinn, I am a daughter of the king who is not moved by the world. For my God is with me and goes before me. I do not fear because I am his. We pray that over her every night. And she kind of, in her broken two-and-a-half-year-old language, speaks it along with us. But what, a, what an awesome thing to, to say. I am a son of the king. We just got one for Fisher. I am not moved by the world. His spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, man, this is so good. If children, then heirs, heirs of God. And I love something that, that he says specifically in this verse in Romans 8, 17. Joint heirs with Christ. Now, now this, this, this word, this joint heir with Christ this will make a lot of people mad. A lot of people who don't understand what the, what the biblical definition of flesh means. What the biblical definition of being in the spirit means. If the spirit of Jesus is on the inside of you, if you are born again, you are joint heirs with Christ. Now, a couple years ago, I had someone re research the Purdue lineage, my an ancestry, and they went back um, like 13 generations of Purdue's. And um, they, they went back, you know, I always, I always thought Purdue, you know, my dad told me this, Purdue in modern French means lost. And I, I have a, of a habit of getting lost. And I thought maybe it's this, this thing that needs redeemed in the, in the lineage of Purdue's. And um, when they, they researched it back, they, they, um, they, they found that Purdue... It's actually from medieval French, which uh, is par Dieu, which means for God. It's a vow name, for God. I'm going to, it's like taking a vow for God, and you can't swear by anything greater than for God. Amen? So the, the Purdue's um, 13 generations ago came from France, and they, they, they went to England just for like one generation to England. They, they, and when they got to England, it says their, their occupation on their immigration um, form, it says their occupation was a Huguenot. A Huguenot really isn't an occupation. It's a, it's a religious belief. It's, it, they were French Protestants. At the time, they were probably fleeing persecution from the French Catholic Church. And the, the French Huguenots were led by John Calvin. So, so I probably had some Calvinists who understood predestination. I believe I am predestined to victory. I believe everyone who is in Christ Jesus, the moment you are born again, the moment you, the moment you ask him into your heart, you are predestined to salvation. So there are some things I disagree with Calvin on, actually many things, but I, I actually like the notion of predestination because before Jesus, you, you are predestined to death. But with Jesus, you are predestined to life. And when you come to Jesus, your entire, everything about you, even your entire destiny shifts. So they went to, to England for like a generation or two, and then they went to Virginia. And they were producing Virginia for a while. Uh, Malachi Purdue fought in the Revolutionary War. 
And I found, you know, they found Malachi Perdue's um, will. And I, he had, I think, like 13 descendants, but two of his descendants got $1. And he said, for, for reasons known to me and myself and no one else, this Purdue gets $1, but the other ones got quite a bit. They got, they got properties, they got houses, they got... Some of them, there were, there were greater heirs and there were lesser heirs. Some people think, you know, that there are greater heirs and there are lesser heirs. And, and right here in Romans 8, 17, it's saying we are joint heirs with Christ Jesus. There are no $1, this is my will for you, just barely get by. No, if Jesus got it, if it's, part of his, if it's part of his inheritance, it's part of your inheritance if you are in Christ Jesus. That means that resurrection that he got, that we can have his resurrection in us as well. That, he's, that, that, that born again life that he had, that that is out, like we can be born again with him. He was the firstborn among many. There are no, you know, partial birth people. You're just partly born again or partly. You are, you are either born again or you're not. His inheritance is our inheritance. His victory is our victory. His life is our life. His wisdom is our wisdom. His joy is our joy. And even his authority. Yes. And he, Jesus himself made a point of, of getting this across to his disciples. Like one thing that people knew about Jesus was that he was someone different. Like there's something different about him. There's something different about the way he walks, the way he talks. And what was different was that he had authority. And he knew it and he exercised it and even demons trembled. But he said, I'm giving my authority to you. So you, you pray in my name. You have my illegal, my legal authority, my spiritual authority. That in my name, you can pray. You know, when you saw me cast out demons, you have the authority to now do so. When you saw me lay hands on the sick and see them recover, you now have the authority to do so. We are joint heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. Amen? All right, next week you can come back for part two. Man, you could, I, I think it'd be all right to preach on Romans 8 for an entire year. And when I hear how people think and what they say and even what ministers say about, man, we, people, we need to get a revelation of grace. It's not just about trying to be separate from the world. The biblical definition of faith uh, of flesh is to be outside of Jesus. My dad likes it. Maybe I'll write a book on it because it, it I mean, when you think of it that way, it just, all, all of Romans makes a lot more sense. It makes a lot of sense. And a lot of people try to stick their kind of religious thinking into it and, and it gets kind of mixed. But this, this is actually just radical revelation that Paul had. And I'm so thankful he, that we have this. Amen. We can stand on it. And that's, that's, how you, that's how you really know that when I'm in Christ Jesus, that there are spiritual laws that apply to me. There's something on the inside of me that is different than what's in the world. Amen? Thank you for listening to the Karis Christian Center podcast. If you would like to receive prayer, product, or more information about the ministry, go to www.karischristiancenter.com. 
or call us at 719-418-4000.